Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. This is our very first Committed story that we divided into two parts. We divided it because it's really two love stories. If you haven't listened to the first part of this episode, it's called He Was the Brave One. You can go back and listen to it now. We're not going anywhere. We'll be right here when you come back. It's about Nora McInerney's first marriage to her first husband, Aaron, and finding out that Aaron had brain cancer, getting married anyway, having a baby anyway, and how brave Aaron was to do all those things, and how brave Nora was to do all those things, knowing she was going to end up alone again. We've been talking to Nora McInerney. She's the host of the podcast, Terrible Things for Asking, and the author of the book, It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too. Yesterday, we told you about Nora's first great love story with her husband, Aaron. Aaron got brain cancer, and for a while, he beat it. And then he didn't. And that's where we are today. We're at the part where Nora is rebuilding her life and figuring out what it looks like without Aaron. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. And so after Aaron died, did you ever think that this would happen for you again? Okay, here's what I here's what I was kind of planning on. Are you going to tell the what you actually thought was? (laughs) Yeah, I am. I, I I, like I already had a love story. If that was the last time I fell in love, good, great, awesome. I thought I would have like some sort of really modern thing where maybe I would just like take a lover from time to I hate that word so I can't believe I said I know it's the worst word why is there a better word like what's a male concubine I just have a dude I I say that I say this in how to be married I'm like why isn't there a word for a male concubine so I would just have a guy a dude from time to time we would never live together he would never meet my children I would adopt Ralph would not be an only child I would have you know other kids in some other way but there would be no like permanent male fixture in my life or in my children's lives. Or the alternative would be I'd meet a guy who was fine and he would be butt crazy in love with me. And I'd be like, 
do you seem fine enough? And I would just provide him with the gift of loving me. (laughs) I would have like affection for him, but I wouldn't be like, I just was not, I did not think that I would, I was not counting on Matthew. You wouldn't have another grand love story. Did you, did you and Aaron talk about it? No, people always ask about that. I'm like, no, no, you know, no, we didn't. It's not like he was like, make sure you fall in love. Like, don't lock your heart away. Like, nothing like that. No. Like, we just weren't really like that. You know, like we talked about a future with him. And then we also planned for a future without him. I wasn't like stupid. I was 31 years old. It wasn't like, oh, I'll never have sex again. Weirdly, to me, that was the first thing that came back long before wanting to like be attached to somebody. And I always have to tell like widows that, by the way, like maybe immediately you'll be like, I just got to feel something else mm-hmm. um, and not to judge yourself for that. It's like a physical need, but also can like serve an emotional one. I was very blessed to have my pads and vagina crossed by um, by really kind men who like completely understood that. And, and we're totally like, got it. And we're like, yeah, I'll take one for the team. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. My vagina thanks you yes. for that. Yes. We thank you for your service mm-hmm. and good day, sir. Good day. Matthew had a different kind of story from Nora. It wasn't grand. It wasn't happy. In fact, it was messy and difficult and it didn't end well at all. So I met my first wife when we were 21 and we had a baby when we were both 22. So we were very, very young. And at the time I dropped out of school because playing music seemed way cooler and way more fun. (laughs) And I was like, I don't want to be 40 and look back and be like, oh, I should have, I should have played music and gone on tour and things. So it was a super conscious decision. And then I met her, we had a baby, band broke up, and I was like, oh my God, I need to grow up. I need to be an adult and have a job. Matthew says that he and his first wife really didn't know what they were doing, but they did their best. He was in school, she was working for her dad. Matthew graduated in 2006 when she was pregnant with their second child, a girl. And so I graduated from school, started working, had a baby, and we bought a house then, which is like, oh, let's just do all of the... All of the really stressful <laughs> the things in life. The stressful most, things most stressful you things can we do. could possibly do. How long before you realized that it wasn't working out for you guys? I think at a certain point, she just kind of stopped wanting to be married. But just didn't... But didn't, didn't want to, yeah, didn't want to say it. So it was like oh, I'm going to do this to try to, to try to make him end it. And then that didn't work, so I'll, I'll try something else. And She's like, how hard do I have to hit this dog before he stops following me? And it was very hard. Very Many, hard. many kicks. So it became kind of a long, the end of our relationship ended up being a pretty long, drawn-out process where I ended up having to declare bankruptcy before we could even get divorced just because it was going to be that messy. So the whole process took about two, two and a half years just to even get everything finalized. Which was fascinating to me, honestly, because my I loved my husband right. until the moment he took his last breath. I was like, vows, done. Matthew needed some time to regroup and learn how to be a dad and a person on his own. How to be an adult, because he'd essentially been married since he was just a kid. 
I consciously took like a year or two to just try to figure out what happened and who I was and who I was if I was not in a relationship with someone because I hadn't had that really as an adult. And I also realized like I would go out with, there were a couple of friends that like we would always go out when I didn't have the kids and they were single and they always wanted to meet someone. And I was like, I realized very quickly, I was like, I'm not good at this. <laughs> well, you'd never really practiced, right? Yeah. I mean, you got married so young. <laughs> I would love to see you try to meet a girl. <laughs> oh, it's not good. Does not, did not go, did not go well. Hi, Matthew, I'm uh, divorced, I'm bankrupt, I have two children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those, those were my openers and usually it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, now tell me how you guys ended up first meeting. So we met through a mutual friend who I have been friends with since I was 20 years old. I was actually in a, a band with her first husband, and I had lived with her second husband and was friends with him. <laughs> Matthew was at work one day and his friend Mo invited him out to this brewery to meet Nora at a fundraiser she was having for the nonprofit she started after Aaron died. It's called Still Kickin' and every month they choose a deserving person who's gone through something really crappy and provide financial support to that person to help them be stronger and braver and more confident and just to get their life a little bit back on track after something terrible has happened. I did not know that Mo had come with a bunch of dudes. And so what I remember, I don't specifically remember, like, you. It was a busy, busy mm-hmm. night for me. But I just remember you were all lined up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Choose one. You were all lined up. I was like, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. Bye. Yep. That's, that's pretty much how it went. And uh, I was like, okay, see ya. You seem to be very busy tonight. But I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, she's uh, really beautiful. And just kind of, that was kind of it. Mo had texted me that afternoon and was like, hey, I really think you and Nora should actually meet. I think you'd really like her. She's really smart. Uh, She's independent. I think it was that weekend or maybe the following weekend that, She's like, okay, so I'm going to have a bonfire at my house, and I'm going to invite Nora, and you're going to come. Nora didn't know it was a pre-planned party to meet Matthew. And she wasn't in the best place emotionally that weekend. Aaron had been dead for almost a year. The anniversary of his death was coming up. Your body remembers grief before your brain does, and I get really just that dread of his death was like, showing up in my body. And I remember, I mean, a lot of other things had happened over that week, but I woke up, I like couldn't even turn my head. I was just so heavy and sore. And my brother took my son for the night and Mo was like, just come over. Come on, you can burn stuff. Like I love burning things. So that got me over there with like a bag of like old bills, like <laughs> old bank statements. I was like, nothing, I'm here. Nothing sexier than a widow carrying uh, around a bag of old bills. Yeah, I'm like, let's burn this too. <laughs> um, so, and Mo was burning like some of Andy's old shit. We were just, um, Andy's her dead husband. And so we were just burning stuff and sitting. It was like a perfect November night in Minnesota where it's like cold enough to have a fire, but not so cold you're going to die. And then somebody else arrived and they walked through, you know, the back gate and he had dark hair and it was like kind of curly and like a, a 
childlike way that was really adorable. And he was wearing a hoodie underneath like a blue nylon jacket. Again, like a toddler. He sat down with a with a glass of wine and the plastic Adirondack chair that he was in collapsed beneath him. And I laughed so hard. I had not laughed in so long that it was like a screaming, barking laugh. I was pointing. In the meantime, I was laying on the ground covered <laughs> in the glass of wine <laughs> I had been holding. Oh, it was so good. Which is good because, you know, as you said, Matthew's game was probably going to be terrible. It was, yeah. So it it could only get better. It's the best icebreaker possible. It was so funny. It's like, and when you haven't laughed in so long, like you feel like you might throw up or die. We were having wonderful conversations all night long. Mo's husband is dead. Kevin's had a lot of trauma in his life. So we were just getting into it. I was like, oh, like, do I need to catch you up? My husband's dead too. He's like, oh, no, no, no. Mo told me. I'm like, okay. So we were just putting it all out there. And then I would just look at him and I would just burst in <laughs> be like, you fell <laughs> so hard. What an idiot. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's just like, like a, like a cartoon fall. Like it was just like, bloop. like feet up in the air. Feet in the air. Yeah, it was perfect. It was perfect. But then by the end of the night, we were sitting on Mo's front porch and we were sitting next to each other, but not too close. <laughs> No, I was like, you know, I'm going to let my leg touch this guy's like, he would like move away. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? It's like any signal. He's like, oh, no, thank you. Like, oh, sorry. Like, oh, I'd been trained not to respond. <laughs> it was actually Pavlovian for you at yeah. that point to like not respond to a woman touching you. Just recoil. And so then when did you guys start dating? Uh, third. That. Wednesday night or Thursday night? Like four days, three days later? Mm -hmm. Four days later? We left at the same time. Mm I was like, bye. I know, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, I was like, we left at the same time. Okay. Like, throw me up against my station wagon and make out with me. He was like, well, see ya. Got in his (laughs) literally (laughs) handshake. Again, Aaron did that to me too on the first date. I was like, okay. And uh, this wasn't a date, but still, I was putting out a a vibe. Um, and again, I wasn't like, oh, I want to fall in love with this guy. I was like, I just want, this could be my first male concubine. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Concubine, better word than lover. Right? Yeah. Matthew was really hard to find on Facebook because everyone of a certain age is named Matthew. And of course, Mo had like 50 friends named Matthew. But finally, Nora found the one that she thought just might be him. His profile photo at the time was a drawing that his child had made of him that was so accurate. I was like, that's got to be him. So I just sent him a message that was like, you're so cute and funny. You should ask me out sometime. He's like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, I will. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Or yeah, I should. Yeah, yeah I should. Did you? Uh, after her response was, like now, dummy. <laughs> so I was like, all right, would you like to go out sometime? Yes, when? And... uh I think that next Wednesday was the first night that I didn't have the kids. So mm-hmm. that was our first date on November 7th. And you texted me in the middle of the afternoon to say, by the way, I have something to tell you about your daughter. Okay. So my sister had heard that I was going on a date because uh, I told her, because <laughs> I told her immediately and she wanted to know what his name was and you know, other identifying features. And she Googled him and she was like, 
oh my God, you're going out with Sophie's hot dad. <laughs> I was like, what? She's like, oh, that's what we call him at Girl Scouts. Like, yeah, he's hot and he does like all the parent stuff. I was like, oh, okay. His daughter gone to school with my niece. So I was going to go out with Sophie's hot dad, I learned. And I thought that would be a funny thing to just dangle in front of him that I knew something about his daughter, which is that she's friends with my niece. I took a lift because I knew. I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. This guy's going to drive me home and make out with me, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> yeah, doesn't no have a choice. choice. Yeah. Doesn't have a choice. <laughs> so I walked in and you were standing there. I was like, oh my God, she looks so beautiful. I'm so glad we're doing this tonight. We sat down. The first thing I said was, okay, so what do you know about my daughter? <laughs> like, was this all a ruse? <laughs> all a ruse to get me here? So she explained that story. And then kind of we just picked up where we left off and just started talking. I liked listening to you talk. And I just remember smiling the entire time and both of us laughing and just like it we could have been anywhere. Like, I have no idea what else was going on in that restaurant. And I remember even on that first date being like, would you ever want to be married again? And you were like, eh, not ne- no, probably not. Not necessarily. I mean, I wouldn't say no, but definitely not yes. <laughs> uh, see, I, I think my response was, I haven't ruled it out, but it's not like, that's not my goal right now. But hearing you say that, I truly immediately was like, I do. Yeah. Like, like for the first, I was like, yes, I do. I like being married. I'm really good at being married. I, I wouldn't be married again. And I don't know. I think that was like the first time I really knew that. And so was that the first time you knew that you wanted to be married or that you would be married to someone like Matthew? Just anyone. Yeah. That he would be more than a concubine. Yeah. I didn't, I still that wasn't. That wasn't evident yet. Yeah, that wasn't evident yet. But I mean, in a way, I knew that I was not going to be going on like, second dates with people that I couldn't see myself being married to, Mm -hmm. honestly. Like, I just, I was like, oh, yeah, I could see already that Matthew was a good dad and that what was appealing to me, I'd always said, like, well, why would you want to date a dad? Like, why would you want to date a parent? I always thought of it as, like, a handicap to finding somebody or either in them or myself. Like, why would anybody want to date me and my child? And why would I want to date somebody who has children? And I tell everybody, like, date a parent. Go find a parent. Go find somebody who already knows they are not the most important person in the room or in the world. And go find a good parent. But, like, really any parent will do. And that was just very obvious that Matthew had a lot of custody and he had, he was just very involved. Doing the the mother standard mm-hmm. of parenting, right? Like not the right. not the even the not the current dad standard, but like the historical mother standard of parenting was what he was meeting. He was meeting nineteen fifties mom level parenting while also having a full time job. And I also remember just looking at him and being like, "Oh my god, you went through something really really difficult," and like you kept your shit together for those kids. Like, they are so lucky to have you. Like, you're a person who knows how to survive. Yeah. And also, if you've been divorced once, I mean, you don't want to do it again, do you? No, not, not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when he's mad at me, I'm like, well, you can't afford two divorces. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break here. When we get back, Matthew and Nora talk about blending their families. Spoiler. It's not exactly the Brady Bunch. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. 
The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. So when did you guys decide to let your kids meet each other? Matthew's kids, like, could tell. Yeah. <laughs> they love talking about this. I We almost should have brought them. <laughs> they were like, okay, dad was smiling all the time. He was looking at his phone, which he never did. We could hear him laughing after we went to bed. They were excited. When all the kids met, we weren't like, these are your new siblings and this is your new family. It was it right been before like Christmas. Six weeks, four weeks, yeah. six weeks. And we all hung out. Here's Matthew driving up to Nora's house. His daughter bounces out of the car. She's all excited. But his 14-year-old son was just sitting there looking miserable. Of course, that's what most 14-year-old boys look like all the time. I was like, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> I, I remember looking and you were Ralph, you were holding Ralph standing in the window of the dining room. Yeah. And I half expected you to like turn off the lights yeah. and just lock the door Bye. and go to bed. Yeah, no, nobody's home. And our expectations were low. And the kids loved Ralph. They tucked him in that night and read him stories. Ralph snuggled in between them to watch a movie. And we made a bunch of Christmas cookies. And then, you know, it was time for them to go. And I remember I had been preparing like a house for like the family that I wanted. I had two empty bedrooms. They were ready Mm -hmm. for kids. I was like, I was going to try to be a foster parent and adopt through the foster system. And and I remember Ian and Sophie being like, we could just stay here. There's two empty beds upstairs. Like, we could just do that. Like, why don't we just do that? They, like, did not want to leave. Like, we went downstairs. I had this big empty basement. And so we were playing soccer in what Ralph called the motorcycle, the motorcycle room. Because he had little Strider bike down there. <laughs> they called his motorcycle. So we were all playing soccer down there. And it was 10 o'clock. It was no, like, it was like it was like 1130 by the no, time. It was, yeah. it was 10 o'clock. And we started setting 10-minute timers. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, no, no. Oh, no. And then it was 1130 by the time they got home. And then we were always like, we won't force it on them. Like, it won't be like, oh, our weekend plan is like Nora and Ralph. But they asked first. And so they brought it up. We would hang out and they brought it up all the time. And mm-hmm. I look back and I'm like, honestly, they probably just really could see that it, that we would be a good family. And also they're probably hungry for it. I think most kids are. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, seeing Matthew like really be a dad I was like, oh, yeah, like that was that that I do know for a fact was the night that I was like, oh, I love you. Like, Mm -hmm. I love you for sure. And I told him and he goes, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Did you did you just not know how to respond at that point to something? Kind of. Also, she whispered it very quietly. I have a different recollection. (laughs) But you're like, like, did you just hear me? Did you hear me? Yeah. He was like, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. And thank you. It's gracious. But I don't know. I think that blending a family is not easy. It's also not as hard as you think it would be, you know, but also also like it's it's you can't have all of these like expectations for what everything is going to look like because you have no idea. 
you know? Like we have just no idea. So many things were easier than I thought they would be and so many things were harder. I'd not anticipated that, oh, like, you know, at the time they were leaving every other weekend and and Ralph would be sad. You Mm -hmm. know, Ralph would be like, but where are they? You know, like where, like what? Like why? I think like the reality is that you're not just two families coming together. You're like about like five or six families coming together and especially ours. I have, you know, Matthew's family, my my family, Aaron's family. Matthew's ex-wife's family is not, you know, um, they're there. They're still like, they are, they are a part of our children's lives. Of course they are. Like, yeah. so we became a family before we got married and I could tell it was more important to the kids than... Like it was very important to them that we do that, but mm-hmm. we had we had a baby before we got married. We had a baby kind of fast. <laughs> we had another oopsie baby, <laughs> an oopsie baby. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's the best. Uh, yeah, it's it's another thing that he was kind of a really good thing for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like he oh. adores Ralph and chases him around, so I think that's something super good for Ralph. The older kids adore him. He loves them. Mm-hmm. He loves like he loves Aaron's parents, and he loves like my niece and nephew on Aaron's side. He is he's a part of all of these families, and we all are. Like Aaron's mom sends every kid a birthday card, gives every kid a Christmas present. It's not about the thing; it's about the thought. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that she just has this beautiful open heart. That's like, oh yeah, now now you are here. Now you're my family too. And He's also the squishiest, most adorable baby. So squishy. He's for so for a baby who's only the 11th percentile for weight, he's got a lot of squish. Yeah, he's got a lot of squish. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to ask that about Aaron's mom. What did she think about you and Matthew? When, Matthew, when did she yeah. meet Matthew? I remember being like almost, I dreaded telling her more than anyone. And I remember picking up Ralph from her house and like talking about something and we were crying. Um, and I remember her saying like, someday you're going to meet someone and I really want that for you. And I was like, well, good time as any to tell you that I did. And I think you'll really like him. And, you know, he's not Aaron. He'll never replace Aaron. Um, but he's really special. And she, like, we just cried. Matthew, were you nervous about meeting Aaron's family? Oh God, yeah. She's Aaron's mom. Mm-hmm. But I mean, why would that make you nervous? I don't know. There are a lot of times that I feel, I mean, not the same now, but almost a little guilt that I was the one there for Ralph soccer and how hard that would be for her. That I was the one kind of running around kicking a soccer ball with him. Do you feel guilty other times? Yeah, from time to time. Mm-hmm. I think I probably always will. It's not like a... It just is. Mm -hmm. Time for a break. Don't go anywhere. We're about to ask the question I know you want me to ask. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. 
The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Matthew, do you think about Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. When do you think about him? Honestly, a lot with Ralph. A lot when he's having a hard day. Because kids go through hard days and it's hard. And it's hard to do the right thing for kids when it's a hard day, especially when they're five. I feel like there's a lot of responsibility to try to parent him the best way and like make him the best person. But it's really hard to do that for someone. Like I, I know, I think I know Aaron through, you know, you and May May and everyone. But um, I guess it's a responsibility that I don't take lightly. And one of the things that struck me when I was over at your house, because you guys had me over for a barbecue last night, and it was wonderful, um, is there's a beautiful picture of Nora, Aaron, and Ralph in the living room. And what is that like, having that memory there all the time? Does it feel nice that you, do, that you have this connection to Aaron? Or I mean, what, what, is the, what is the emotion like there? It is nice because it, the same thing, like we talk about this all the time, we both, like, neither of us would be here without that. It's a really sad thing sometimes to remember kind of what you had what and what you've lost. But also, I'm so grateful for what we have now. And I don't know, every, every once in a while it is hard to resolve that and not feel a little guilty that I'm the one that gets to do all these things. And sometimes I think it hopefully helps make me a better husband and father. And especially because your story was so big and special that it, I don't know, sometimes it's a lot to live up to. Here's what everyone listening wants to know. Aren't you jealous of Aaron? Aren't you jealous of that portrait? Aren't you jealous of that book? Aren't you jealous every time I talk? Aren't you jealous of this necklace that I wear that has our initials around it? That's secretly what people really are asking. That's what people want to know. (laughs) I'm not. I think there are times, especially early on, it was kind of confusing and it wasn't jealousy. I would say there have been moments, but that's not it. Like it's not, I don't know, times where it's like, I know things are really hard for you or you're like really remembering or kind of like give me a moment like put us in a scene you know this is my give me a memory like of a um like that. the first november because november is a hard time for you you're just being very sad and a little um quieter Here's what I think about. I think about like I have all these shitty paintings that Aaron did when he was in high school and they're <laughs> so funny to me. And I remember I put one in your band room and you were mad. You were mad. Yeah. Or you were irritated. And I can't remember if it's just because like I was like rearranging your band room or because like you were like, why is this here? It's probably a little bit of both. And also probably because I was like, it's like, <laughs> it's, so it's, like a, it's, 
it's kind of a, it's like a a high school rebellious, like, oh, I'm going to be shocking. <laughs> yeah, what what did they look like? Like, how oh my God. They they're, to me? They're, I love them. Pop art, sort of comic booky style, and it's... Aaron and Sarah Michelle Geller of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And the first one is Aaron reacting on the phone, like shocked and like the little voice box thing says, Aaron, I just called to say, ellipses, I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever heard. At a certain point, I'm like, I don't know if I want his high school painting up on the wall. And I think it's easier as you know, as our relationship continues to evolve to try to figure out what that right balance is. And I think at the at the time, I was like, I don't know how to have that productive conversation mm-hmm. around that painting. Uh, I've never hung it up anywhere. But I was like, also a part of me was like, we just moved into this big house with all our kids. You have a, a room with a band and like Aaron's den. I'm putting this fucking painting in your band room. I don't know. I've never done it. I like, it's never <laughs> been hung anywhere. And yet I did that too. So I don't know. I think, I think partially sometimes I even, obviously I have guilt. Like I'm like, I lived, I still get to be alive. I still get to fall in love. And I think a part of our relationship is me just being like, that's me pushing you. But not, and not even like I'm pushing you away. I have so many walls. I'm so complicated. But just like reminding myself that what I had was real. And these two things are not in competition. But that is very hard for people to realize. That is very hard. I think people, it's very hard. And well, and, and you know, people people want to think about things in yeah. terms of competition. Oh yeah, and, they want to be like no, because what they want to know is if I died. Would my wife be happier mm-hmm. or would she at least always be a little sad? Like, am I irreplaceable or am I replaceable? And they're not the same. Like, they're both like, this is a big love story, Matthew. I, I don't know if you can tell, but it is. You know, it is. Why get married at all? Yeah. Um, insurance. <laughs> <laughs> like, fucking frankly. Um, no, uh, I mean, one, I... I don't know quite what it is, but there is like this immense and indescribable difference between like being together and being married. And I don't know what it is, but I also know that it like really means a lot to our kids too. It really does. Like I I know that for the big kids, it doesn't feel as good to say my dad's girlfriend, (laughs) which is a little diminutive as it is to say like, you know, my stepmom. My stepmom. And it meant a lot to Ralph. Like, it meant a lot to Ralph. And that's just, like, just general patriarchy, heteronormativity. And, you know, the future might be different. But I I liked being married. I liked being married to Aaron. I like being married to you. There's just something about it that's like, yeah, this is, like, this is official. Like, you're just making legally binding promises. And also, that fucking insurance. Being an American sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. We just had our, and we don't even count our wedding. Truly, our wedding date is nothing to us. Like when Mm -hmm. people are like, happy anniversary. I was like, oh, it's not until November. I just count like the day we went on a date as like, as our day, as an anniversary. And our wedding date is like the anniversary of me getting insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like that's what it is. That's so pathetic. But it's not pathetic. It's a really fun party in our backyard. It was a fun party in our backyard. Did you guys guys have like an official proposal or was it like, all right, we've got a baby already. We're doing this. We sent out an invite for a housewarming party that started at 9 a.m. because we are morning people. It was just going to be breakfast. And we, people showed up and it was a wedding and we got married and we didn't invite anyone from out of town and that ruffled feathers, but also, okay. (laughs) Who cares? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, I did not, I don't know. It's just a wedding. Like, you could be there for our marriage or Mm -hmm. you could be there for one day. One day. One day. 
I'd, yeah. l- I'd rather you be there for our marriage. Truly. Thanks. Our kids were our, our bridal party. We had champagne and Ralph served it. I have no choice here but to make you all listen to Ralph serving champagne. I've listened to it about a dozen times and I want to get married again just so I can have this kid as my bartender. After everything that you've been through, do you feel this pressure to create big, important moments? As long as your life is not falling apart, you should be like, those those boring moments should like glitter for you. I was thinking about that last night when we were laying in bed with the kids and watching whatever we were watching. I was like, oh yeah, like it's just this. These are like, this is like the good part. One of the best things that we have in our life is sitting in our bed Friday night and watching a movie with all the kids. Like, that is kind of, like, that is a perfect night. Mm -hmm. I've been on the road for the past three weeks, and we literally just got back to our apartment in San Francisco. Nick and I crawled into bed. Charlie tried to crawl into the bed. We picked him up. He tried to crawl out of the bed. And the three of us just laid there for a little while. It was exactly the kind of moment that Matthew and Nora talked about. It was a little moment, but it was the best kind of moment. It was one of those moments that we don't think about, that we don't write down in a baby book, that we don't text anyone about, but it really was the best. And I want to remember those little moments. Matthew and Nora helped me realize that. And I'll be forever grateful to them for that. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. Special thanks to Aaron Permort, Nora McInerney, Matthew Hart, and the production team at Terrible Thanks for Asking. Be sure to pre-order Nora's new book, No Happy Endings, wherever books are sold. This episode was produced and edited by Ramsey Hunt and Tyler Klang, with mixing by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Mangesh Hatikater, and Will Pearson. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil, with additional music by Kai Engel. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or you can send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's jo at committedpodcast.com. Committed now has apparel. To check out our store, visit tpublic.com slash committed. You can also grab a copy of Joe's new book, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed with Joe Piazza has been a production of the How Stuff Works family, produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia.
Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.